Good morning. Let's try that one more time. Good morning. So good to see all you guys here this morning joining us for worship. I pray you had a wonderful week. I pray that you stayed, stayed somewhat cool during this hot week because it was a hot one. Who was hot? I know we were. So I pray that you had a comfortable, a good week, and you stayed cool. If you haven't noticed yet, I'm not Pastor Wes. He is actually away on vacation with his family. And so we ask that you continue to pray for him, continue to pray for his family as they're out, as they're enjoying their time together, as they're trying to just rest up a bit. So keep Pastor Wes and, and Liz and all their kids in your prayers throughout the week as they enjoy this, this last week of vacation. If you've been with us over the summer, you would have known that we started a series back in June in the book of Habakkuk, and we ended that series last week. We finished our study in the book of Habakkuk, and then we're now moving on to the Gospel of Mark. That's the next book that we're going to be looking at as a church come September. So I encourage you, as we lead up to September, be praying about it, be reading, go and read through the, um, the Gospel of Mark. And prepare yourselves for that because we pray that it's a time of edification, a time of growth, um, where God is just convicting his church and growing his church as we study that book. Some of you guys are thinking, well, well September isn't till three weeks. What are we going to be talking about for the next three weeks? And I'm here to tell you what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking, we're going to be looking at the book of Acts. So we weren't sure. A couple of months ago, Wes wasn't sure when he was going to end in the book of Habakkuk. And then he's like, you know what? I'm going to finish it the week I leave for vacation. And he said, Alex, Ricardo, you guys can kind of do what you want. He kind of said, you know, if you guys want to do one-off sermons, you can. Or if you guys want to have a cohesive theme for those three weeks, it's up to you. So as Alex and I gathered and we prayed about it and we talked about it, we, we decided we wanted to kind of have a good cohesive theme for these three weeks. Even though it's only three weeks, we wanted to follow a certain theme for those three weeks. And as we prayed about it, we landed here with the book of Acts, specifically Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 40, 47. And we see here in these great passages that this is the beginning of the church. This is ultimately what we see in these passages, is this is how the first century church lived, how Christians decided to live. And we read all these things that they accomplished. We read all the wondrous things that the apostles did, and that the Lord kept adding, adding, as we saw in, in verse 31, and 41, as Josh read, that 3,000 were added, and that they were adding day and day more and more. And we see all these miracles, we see these signs, and we see this growth and we can't help but to be in all of that. We can't help but be like, that must have been an amazing time to live in. That must have been an amazing time to experience all of that. And we might think, man, only if we can experience that today. Too bad that can't happen today. And yes, it is a different time, and it was a different place. But the truth is, is they believed in the same gospel that we believed in today. They had the same Holy Spirit that we have today. There is no major difference between the church then and the church now. I would venture to say that we could have that same type of impact. We can have that same type of power and movement for the gospel as the first century church did if we just refocus ourselves, recentered ourselves, decided to really focus on the things that are important. That's the only difference between the first century church and us today. 
is that they were ultimately, they were being, they were willing to be led by the Holy Spirit. Wherever the Holy Spirit led them, they moved, they prayed, they spread the gospel, they spoke boldly. They were willing to be directed by the Holy Spirit. That's the only difference. It's not that they had more knowledge than us. It's not that they were stronger than us. It's that they were being, they were being willing to be led by the Holy Spirit. They had the right focus, the right mindset. And we see that that's what they devoted themselves to in verse 42. And they devoted themselves. And Luke just lists these things that they devoted themselves. And that is what we're going to be looking at over the next several weeks is what did the early church devote themselves? And if you haven't figured out, that's what we're calling this series, Devoted. We're going to be looking at the marks of the church in Acts and what are the things that they committed themselves to and how can we look at this and say, how can we recenter ourselves, not only as a church body, but as individuals, as Christians, as followers of Christ, how can we reorientate ourselves to move with power? Because that's what we see here. That's what is defined here. We see what the church committed themselves to. So that's what we're going to be looking. And we're going to have this, this serious theme, this serious thesis statement, if I will, for the next three weeks is this. A church filled with the Holy Spirit and power is a church devoted to the ordinances and the ordinary means of grace. That's the only difference, difference here is that they devoted themselves to this. They devoted themselves to the ordinances that Christ had put in place. They devoted themselves to those ordinary means of grace, the gathering of the, of the saints, the reading of the Scripture, the studying of Scriptures, the prayers, those things. That's what they decided to give their life for. That's how they chose to live, and that's really the only difference we see between ourselves and the first century church. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at these five verses, looking mainly in verses 42 through 47, and pulling things out, things that we can commit ourselves to, things that we can focus on as a church body. So just a quick, quick background on the book of Acts. It's written by Luke, the same Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke, and some would consider this almost a sequel to the Gospel of Luke. He wrote it, and he just, this is really called, we call it Acts, but the name oftentimes is the Acts of the Apostles. And his purpose was to give a history of the early church and their movement and their impact on their world, on their society. And that's what we're going to see here as we dive deeper in to just, just these five passages alone. So I'm going to read again, and then we're going to pray and get started. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity to gather today as a church body, Lord 
to sing songs of praise and worship to you, Father, to spend time in prayer as a church body, Lord, to be in your scriptures and to hear it read and to read and to dive into it, Lord. We understand that this is a privilege and an honor that many people across this world do not have, Father. So we thank you for that, Lord. We pray that as we spend the next several moments in your word, Father, that it is a time of growth for us. It is a time of edification, Lord, that there's certain areas in each and every one of our lives where we are falling short, Lord, and we ask that you reveal those things to us, Father. Show us where we're not devoting our lives to you. Show us where we're falling short of doing these things, Father. Chisel away those areas so that we become more and more like you, that we are made into Christ's image, Father. Lord, we ask that you eliminate any distractions that we may have today, Father. May we just be able to focus and hear the words that you want us to hear, Father. For those who aren't with us, Father, keep them safe wherever they may be. Keep them in your will, Father. If they're traveling, give them traveling mercies, Father. Be with us today, Lord. Use this time to grow your church. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be edifying to you and to your people. We pray all this in your son's mighty and powerful name. Amen. I got two points for you guys today, and the first one being the church is to be devoted to God's word by studying it. It's really the first half of, of, of verse 42, where Luke writes, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, the early century church, they didn't have the Bible today as we know it. They didn't have these physical things. All they had was the apostles' teaching. All they really had was the Old Testament scriptures, was the Torah, was the writings of the prophets, was the history books. And that's all they had. But here we see that they devoted themselves to this. They didn't have the Bible today as we know it, but they still gave their life to what they did have. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What does that mean? That means that they were willing to sit and listen to the apostles talk about their life with Jesus. These guys spent three years with Jesus. They were discipled by him. So they sat and they listened to them sharing the teachings of Jesus. They sat and listened to the apostles point back to these Old Testament scriptures and say, this is how this is speaking of Jesus. When, When David says this, he's talking about Jesus of Nazareth. There's no greater example of that if you were to go back and read Here in Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through the rest of the chapter, where you see Peter's sermon after Pentecost. That's what he's doing there. He's going back and he's quoting the prophet Joel. And he's saying, this is how we know that this is for real. Because Joel, you say that we're drunk, but Joel prophesies this. He says, look, look, David in Psalm 16, when he says these words, this he was talking about Jesus of Nazareth. And so what they do, they go back to these Old Testament scriptures and they just show all these new believers how they're pointing to Jesus. Ultimately, the claim that Peter has is that Jesus of Nazareth is the Lord. He is the Messiah. He is the conquering king. And then that's where you get in verse 37 where they heard this and they asked, what should we do? And he says, repent and be baptized. And so that's what they devoted themselves to, those apostles' teaching, and that's what we have in our scriptures today. That's what this is in our Bibles. And so throughout the rest of our time, I'm going to use, I'm going to say the apostles' teaching. I'm going to say God's Word. I'm going to mention the Bible, and I'm really just using it interchangeably. What I'm talking about is this. 
This is what they devoted themselves to. This is what we need to be devoting ourselves to. It's God's holy word. So that's what they devoted themselves to. But what does it mean to devote yourselves to something like that? I like to just look at the word devoted there. Depending on your translation, it may say something different. If you have the the New King James Version, it may say that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Or if you have the New American Standard Bible, it may say that they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. So what does it mean to be steadfast in something? What does it mean to be devoted to something? It's to have loyalty. It's to be dedicated to that one thing. It's in essence to give your life for that one thing. To be steadfast in something is to hold firm. It's to not waver from that thing. It's to not change or, or change your mind or move from that teaching. That's what it means. That's what's happening here is that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They said, this is where I'm going to stand. This is what I'm going to choose to dive into. This is what I'm going to study, what I'm going to give my life for. They never grew away from it. The same should be true of us. We should never waver from God's word. We should never turn from God's word. Those, that, that idea that maybe the Christians should never have that thought that I have figured it all out. I've learned it all. If you've ever had that thought come across your mind, I would say repent from that because that should never cross the Christian's mind that they have learned it all, that there is no need to dive into the scriptures anymore. This idea that they devoted themselves, we see really that they were eager to learn, eager to just sit and and study what was being told to them. It's a willingness to submit themselves to this, to the apostles' teaching. We should have that same eagerness. We should have that same willingness to submit ourselves to God's word and what it says. They clung to every single word that the apostles were saying and teaching. We should also be clinging to every single word that we find in the Scriptures. They were willing to study it. That's the big takeaway for us today, churches, is if we are to be devoted to God's Word, we should be studying God's Word each and every day, pouring our lives into it, reading it, making notes, Seeing where are areas that we're not falling short, learning from it on a day-to-day basis. Because we understand that it's through God's Word that we grow as a church. It's through God's Word that we grow as individuals in this walk of faith that we have. It's the nourishment of the soul. We see that in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Peter writes and says, he says, Be like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the Word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. The only way you're going to grow in your faith, in your salvation, is if you long for the pure milk that is the Word, if you long for the Word of God to be in it, to learn from it, to grasp it, to study it. If you're not understanding it, then looking it up. But eagerness to see what is being said and how to apply that to our lives, that's what we need to do. We should be longing for God's Word, to devote our lives to it. And this isn't easy. This takes time. This takes effort. But anything that's worth doing in life is going to take time. It's going to take effort. We're willing 
Just at what are you willing to put your time and effort in? Because there are a lot of things that we are willing to put our time and effort into, whether it's hobbies, whether it's learning a new skill, whatever it may be, there are things in our lives that we're willing to put effort into it. Are you willing to put any effort into your faith, into your walk with Christ? Because if you're not, then then you're going to fall short time and time again. You cannot expect to grow if you don't put time in. You cannot expect to grow in your faith if you don't put that effort in to study God's Word. Not just read it, but study it. Try to understand it. If it's hard, then, then buy books to help you. Seek help, but devote yourselves to it. We should have a hunger for God's word. If there is no hunger, then can we call ourselves spirit-filled believers or believers? R.C. Sproul writes this, There is no such thing as a spirit-filled Christian who neglects the study of the Word of God. He goes on and says, there is no such thing as a spirit-filled church that does not give itself continuously and steadfastly to the study of the sacred scriptures. We cannot grow. We cannot move the way the New Testament church did if we're not willing to devote ourselves to God's Word. We cannot grow in our faith if we're not studying God's Word. It is essential to the faith, to study God's word. Paul in 2 Thessalonians 2, chapter, four, chapter 2, verses 14 through 15 tells us this, that if we are to be reached glory, if we are to be glorified with Christ, he says, brothers, stand firm and hold to the, to the traditions that were taught by us, either by a spoken word or by a letter. In other words, he's saying, if you are to make it to glory, if you are to be glorified, then you need to stand firm on the words of the Bible. That is the only way we can make it in the Christian life, if we're studying it, if we're feeding it into our hearts, if we're feeding it into our minds. It will, we understand, the things that we put into our minds will have an effect on our minds. That is why Paul in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Right? That it's, well, it's what we feed into our minds. That's how we're going to change. That is how we're going to grow. If we're feeding things that aren't edifying, then we're not going to grow. The things that we put into our minds matter. They affect us whether we want it to or not. I, I grew up listening. I've, I've probably said this before and I'll keep saying it again. I grew up listening to hip-hop music when I was growing up. And sometimes today I like to listen to it. I like to go back and hear some of the things and, and see what's new. And I catch myself, if, I, if I'm listening to it too long, it starts to affect the way I talk. It starts to affect the way I think. I have to realize that, that I'm putting this into a mind, but then it's changing my attitude. And so everything that we do, the things we read, the things that we watch, the things we listen to, the people we choose to hang out, they will have an effect on you, on your mind, and on the things that you devote yourselves to. So the question is, what are you devoting yourself to? We should be careful of what we put into our minds. Paul in Colossians 3.10 says that our new self is being renewed in knowledge. 
that we are being renewed in our new self, in our new spirits, by the things that we're choosing to study, by the things we're choosing to make a priority in our lives. Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 says, He commands you to prepare your minds for action. That the way we battle Satan, the way that we take on this world is by preparing our minds for battle. How do you do that? By watching what you put into your mind. By making a conscious decision to study God's word and devote yourselves to it. That is how, this is how we as leaders can protect you guys as the flock. If we decide to devote our time here to God's word and we're going to say we're going to study God's word and no matter what, we're going to read it, we're going to look at it and things that are hard to deal with, we're going to deal with. But we're not going to shy away from what the Bible has to say. And that is how we can protect you guys. That is how you can protect yourself from the enemy. We said it all throughout our time when we were in, the apostle, in, um, in John's epistles that the best way to command, to combat those false teachings is to understand what the Bible says. That's why when those false teachings come, you're able to know what is false and what doesn't sound right. And so we are to devote ourselves to God's Word by studying it. My second point is that the church is to be devoted to prayer by making it a priority. We all pray, but, but the question is, is prayer a priority in your life? Is it something that you're being intentional about? Or is it something you just do when problems arise, when things aren't going our way? Or are you looking for opportunities throughout your day to stay in prayer? See, this was the mark of the early church. This is one of the things that we see all throughout the book of Acts and all throughout the New Testament that they devoted themselves to. Luke may mention it fourth here in verse 42, and I may have it as my second point, but that doesn't mean that it's any less important than anything else that the New Testament church did. They devoted themselves to prayer. And it's not just prayer in their own lives. The context here really is, is that they devoted themselves to prayer in the gathering of the believers. That when they got together with other believers, when they got together, they met in their homes, they spent time in prayer. I'm not saying we don't have fun, we don't joke, we don't do those things. But when we gather with the saints, we should be praying as well. That's the emphasis here. That's the focus. That when we do gather, we pray. This was so important to the church in the first century that, that they did it often. As we look in Acts, if you were to go back one chapter, Acts verse, verse 14 here in chapter 1. After Jesus has ascended, as they're waiting for what he promised will come, and they're getting ready to, to choose who they're going to replace Judas with, and ultimately they choose Matthias, Luke says that they devoted themselves to prayer. That's, just, that's the first time he, man, he, he mentions it, that the New Testament church devoted themselves to prayer. Then again, in Acts chapter 4, as the body is gathering together, they come together and they spend time praying and they ask for boldness to be able to go out and live according to the scriptures, to speak boldly. We see this again in Acts chapter 12, verse 5, when Peter is arrested. What is the first thing that the church does? They go and they, they spend earnest time in prayer. And they made these intercessions to God as a church. We see that in Acts chapter 12, verse 5. And then later on, when Peter escapes 
prison, right? He has that vision and, and he doesn't quite know what's going on. And he's walking by the security guards. He's walking through the doors. And then he finally realizes, I- I'm free. And it says later on in Acts chapter 12, verse 12, that he goes to Mary's house. And what does it say they were doing? He sa- it says, where many were gathered together and were praying. We don't, we don't know what time of day this was, but we do know that they were together and they were praying as a church body. That's the emphasis here. That's the importance there. We see it in Acts 13, 3, when they're getting ready to send Paul and Barnabas out. What does the church do? They gather around them, they lay their hands on them, and they pray for Paul and Barnabas as they send them out to be missionaries. This was essential to the first century church, to gather and to pray those are just some examples of the church gathering in prayer. But the, old, the New Testament is filled also with individuals devoting themselves to prayer. We're told time and time again how important prayer is to the believer. As Charles Spurgeon writes, prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscles of the omnipotence. That is how God moves. It's when we gather in prayer, we understand that there is power in our prayer, especially when we gather as other believers, as a church body, to pray. So we see that the early church, they understood the need, the importance of prayer. We have lost, I believe it's, we have lost sight of that. We've lost focus of that. We forgot how important prayer is, how essential it is to the church and to the believer. It is through prayer that we're going to make it through difficult times. It is through prayer that we're going to be able to do life together and to grow together and to overcome the obstacles of life. It's through spending time in prayer with one another and in ourselves. And it's an honest evaluation that I think as a church, that's the big church, and ourselves here at Faith Bible Fellowship Church, we don't spend enough time in prayer as a church body. It has become one of the most neglected means of grace out there. It's prayer. Like I said, we only pray when, we, when there's trouble or, 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 or when we have the time. We, we don't make time for prayer, but if, but if there is some type of time, we will pray. We will pray. If you were to go out there and ask church leaders in, in America, outside of Sunday service, what is the most attended thing that you put on, attended event? I doubt prayer meeting will make the top of the list. Maybe it's life, maybe it's our worship nights, maybe it's our, our outings together, maybe it's when we put on events, when we have a concert or something. But, but prayer meeting isn't something that makes the top of that list. And that is a fault. That is why we have lost, I believe, the influence we have over this country. It's because we have not devoted ourselves to prayer. And we know that prayer is important. In Luke chapter 18, when Jesus is given a parable, he says the purpose of this parable is to remind you that you ought to always pray and never lose heart. That's what he's trying to focus. That's what he's trying to teach the disciples there in Luke 18. It's to always, always pray. Paul, after, after going through in Ephesians 6 and telling the church that you are to put on the whole armor of God, you are to put on the, the helmet of salvation, you are to move forward, he says, you do this, but you also should be praying at all times. 
He says in 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, pray without ceasing. He instructs the church in Colossians 4, 12, 2 to say, to continue steadfastly in prayer. Paul understood the importance of prayer. He says in Romans 12, 12, to be constant in prayer. Prayer is essential to the church function. It is the lifeline of the church. We are to be doing that as individuals, and we are to be gathering as a body and praying together, spending significant time in prayer. That is my prayer. That is my hope for Faith Bible Fellowship Church. As we move into this next season, as we start to spend time in in the gospel of Mark, is that we become more devoted to prayer as a church body. What does it mean to be devoted to prayer? A church or an individual who is devoted to prayer makes prayer a priority rather than, than not, rather than just something they do when they have some free time. It's when, can, when am I going to pray today? If you have to set a time frame, and a, a reminder on your phone, do so. Of saying, you know what, I need to pray every morning at 9 o'clock, I'm going to set this reminder. Do so. But we have to make it a priority. A church devoted to prayer prays when there are opportunities, not when there are problems. A church devoted to prayer prays when it's led to do so by the Spirit. It's not like waiting for for a better time. It's not like I don't have time right now. I'm going to go ahead and pray when I get home, when I put the kids to bed. And next thing you know, life happens and, and you forgot to pray. A church devoted to prayer makes prayer a priority. A church devoted to prayer prays about everything. Not just the bad, but the good. They give thanks. They come to God and they ask of things. They recognize God for who He is. That's what prayer does. It, It helps us, if anything, Prayer will help you to put God in his proper place. It will help you to remind who God is, and it will humble us and help us to remember who we are. And sometimes we place ourselves over God in our hearts, and, and if we spend time in prayer, what will happen eventually is that will get flipped. God will come above all things in your heart, rather than yourself, rather than your job, rather than your friends or family. Prayer helps to put God in his proper place. So why should we pray? Well, because that's what we're commanded to do. We read all that, all those scriptures where it says to make prayer a priority, to be constant in prayer. We should be devoted to prayer because we understand that there is power in prayer, that God hears our prayers. That is why we should be devoted to prayer. As I said earlier, I think one of the reasons why we have lost our influence over this country is because we're no longer a praying church. We're worried about everything else but except prayer. We are no longer devoted to the scriptures and we're no longer devoted to the prayers and that is why we have lost our influence in this nation. If we were to go back to those things and make those things a priority in our life, I believe we will see God do wondrous things, but we first have to devote ourselves to the study of the scriptures and to prayer. Those things must, must 
become a priority in our lives as a church body and in our lives as individuals walking in faith. As I close today, really, I have the same question for both the non-believer and the believer here. What are you devoting yourself to? For the unbeliever, are you devoting yourselves to just gaining material possessions? Are you devoting yourself just to gaining wealth? To being happy here and now and not concerned with the future, not concerned with the rest of eternity? What are you putting your trust into? Because I can tell you, that heaven is a real place and hell is a real place. And as we see in John 14, 6, that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one enters into the gates of heaven at the end of their life unless they've put their faith and trust in the works of Jesus Christ and him alone. So who are you putting your trust in? Are you putting yourself, your trust in yourself? Or are you putting your trust in the works of Christ? And today, if you put your trust in the works of Christ and you put your faith in that, then you can be at peace with God. Understand that outside of that, outside of our trust in Jesus, we are enemies of God. So if you have not done that, then you are an enemy of God. And the sins that you are committing and that you commit, they will ultimately lead to your death. Because we understand that's what sin does. Sin leads to death. And if you put your trust in Jesus Christ today, you can be at peace with the God of the universe, the God who does all these wondrous things, the God who moves the Spirit, the God who helps to heal the sick, as we read in the book of Acts, who does all these wondrous things. That's the God of the universe. That is who you owe a debt to. And the only way you can pay that is by putting your trust in the work of Jesus Christ and being clothed in his righteousness. To the believer, once again, what are you devoting yourself to? John MacArthur has a quote where he says that a day where he hasn't learned a new truth, a day where he hasn't dove deeper into an old truth, something that he's already known, is a day wasted. So how many days have you wasted not studying God's word? How many days have you wasted not spending time in prayer? My challenge to you guys this week is, is really... Learn something new about God through the studying of his word this week. Not every day. I'm just saying one day, just this week, learn something new about God through the study of his word. Spend time reading it, praying over it, circling it. If you don't understand something, look it up. But learn something new about God this week. The second challenge is to spend some significant time in prayer this week. Join us on Wednesdays. We have prayer meeting every Wednesday at 11 o'clock. The church doors are open. If you have time, come and pray with us. If you can't come, we have the Zoom link up. We do it through Zoom as well. 
I would love to just be able to join a prayer meeting one Wednesday and it'd be more than three people there. If you have the time, join us in prayer as a church body this week. And if you can't, that's fine. I understand that we're busy and we have work and everything, but then make it a priority to call someone. Say, hey, can we talk this week? Can we spend time talking on the phone and praying together? I need prayer for this. What can I be praying for you? Text someone that. And then spend time in prayer. Make prayer a priority this week. That is my challenge to you, church. And if we, are, if we want to have the same type of impact, and we want to have the same type of power that we see the New Testament church have, then we must, we must devote ourselves to the study of God's word and to, the, and to prayer. Prayer as a church body and prayer as individuals. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your mercy and grace over our lives, Father. We understand that without that, without your grace and without your mercy over our lives, we wouldn't be able to breathe. We wouldn't be able to walk. We wouldn't be able to stand here and raise our hands and sing songs of praise to you, Father. The only reason that we have faith is because it was given to us through you, Father. So, Lord, as we go about the rest of this week, convict us, Father. Help us to make those decisions where we are devoting ourselves to your scriptures, where we are devoting ourselves to prayer, Father. Give us, show us every opportunity this week where we can spend time praying to you, Father. If it's just on a car ride to work where we turn off the stereo and we turn off the the podcast, Father, and we just spend time praying while we're driving, Father. If it's doing it during our lunch break, instead of, 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 of watching or listening to something, instead of gathering with people, Father, if we just decide we're going to pray during our lunch. Father, help us to, to make those decisions. If we want to get up early, help us, Father. We know that we cannot do this without you, Father. Be with us this week, Lord. Keep us safe. Keep us in your will, Heavenly Father. We thank you and we lift up your name on high. We pray all this in the name of our King Jesus. And the church said, Amen.